Thank you, loving Father, for giving us the privilege of life. We are grateful, Father, for all you do for us and giving us the temporal blessings and even the spiritual blessings. Thank you for providing our basic necessities. Dear Father, as we fellowship with you now, we hope that by your grace you shall empower us with your word that we may be edified and built up into the most holy faith, into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, that we may receive encouragement to press toward the mark, that by your grace we shall not fail or falter, and that our zeal shall not flag. Grant me of your spirit and those who are listening to. Put your words in my mouth, that it may be blessings to all who hear. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 13 Toward the Mark This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 Paul did many things. He was a wise teacher. His many letters are full of instructive lessons, setting forth correct principles. He worked with his hands, for he was a tent maker, and in this way earned his daily bread. He carried a heavy burden for the churches. He strove most earnestly to present their errors before them, that they might correct them and not be deceived and led away from God. He was always seeking to help them in their difficulties, and yet he declares, One thing I do. The responsibilities of his life were many, yet he kept always before him this one thing. The constant sense of the presence of God constrained him to keep his eye ever looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. The great purpose that constrained Paul to press forward in the face of hardship and difficulty should lead every Christian worker to consecrate himself wholly to God's service. Worldly attractions will be presented to draw his attention from the Savior, but he is to press on toward the goal, showing to the world, to angels and to men, that the hope of seeing the face of God is worth all the effort and sacrifice that the attainment of this hope demands. The lowliest disciple of Christ may become an inhabitant of heaven, an heir of God to an inheritance incorruptible and that fadeth not away. Oh, that everyone might make choice of the heavenly gift, become an heir of God to that inheritance whose title is secure from any destroyer, world without end. Oh, choose not the world, but choose the better inheritance. Press, urge your way toward the mark for the prize of your high calling in Christ Jesus. Soon, we shall witness the coronation of our King, those whose lives have been hidden with Christ, those who on this earth 
have fought the good fight of faith will shine forth with the Redeemer's glory in the kingdom of God. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Toward the Mark. Jesus taught the lesson of single-mindedness. He said, If your eye be single, then the whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye is not single, then it it will be filled with darkness. If there is one thing we need to understand as a Christian, it is not just Paul, but every Christian before, during his time and after his time should understand that we should have one aim and one purpose in life. And that purpose should be this one thing, to have the image of God restored in us. And everything that we do, every plan that we make in life, every decision that we make, everything we contemplate and the choices we make should be made in reference to how it affects this particular goal, this single goal. How does it affect my attaining back to holiness, the image of God restored in me? To cut a long story short, that is what we should do, this one thing. And then when we secure and make our minds to be focused on this one thing, then we press toward the mark. How do we press toward the mark? Just exactly as I have said earlier. And that is, we should ensure that every decision we take, the question must be asked, how does this decision affect my single purpose in life, which is to have the image of God restored in me? If I see that it is going to help me positively to achieve that, then I press towards that decision and toward that plan because I can see the benefit. But if I see that it is not going to help me at all to achieve that, then I withdraw. I don't press towards it. I find myself rather pressing towards that which will help me achieve my goal. Paul put it this way. And we have seen, yes, he had so many things that engrossed him in life. But those were not other things. All those things were ways of still pressing toward that mark of attaining to the high to the calling of the high price which is to, of, of attaining to the image of Jesus our Lord. In Philippians 3, from verse 7, he put it this way, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yeah, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is true, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Amen.
Now, I want to pick two things, or just one thing, first of all, from what Paul said in this particular verses I just read. In Philippians 3 verse 8, he says, I count all things but loss for one thing, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Then again, he says in verse 9 that he doesn't want to have his own righteousness, but that righteousness which is by faith, that is righteousness by faith. And then he repeats this in verse 10. He says that I may know him. So he said in verse 8, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And then in verse 10, that I may know him. And in verse 9, the righteousness which is by faith. It's talking about the same thing because when you know Christ, you have that righteousness by faith. What does he mean when Paul says that the knowledge of Christ is what he calls the excellent thing that anybody can attain to? What does it mean to know Christ? John put it this way in the book of John 17 verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So when Paul is saying that what he is chasing after, he has thrown everything away, counted everything but loss and but dung. In other words, nothing is useful or has any value, because that's why he calls it dung. Nothing has any value in this life to him except the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. He counts every other thing as rubbish. They are unimportant. Only one thing is important, the knowledge of God. And we are realizing the knowledge of God is eternal life. But how? Is it just a mere knowledge? Okay, I know he exists. Does that that mean I have eternal life? No. What does it mean to know Jesus? John explains. 1 John 2, verse 3. Listen. It says... Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Whosoever saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So, what is the excellency of the knowledge of Christ? To know Christ is to keep his commandments, and eventually you will have the prize of the high calling, which is eternal life. My brothers and sisters, we are to understand that this is how we should live our lives. Like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 353, paragraph 3. The great purpose that constrained Paul to press forward in the face of hardship and difficulty should lead every Christian worker to consecrate himself wholly to God's service. Worldly attractions will be presented to draw his attention from the Savior, but he is to press on toward the goal, showing to the world and to angels and to men that the hope of seeing the face of God is worth all the effort and sacrifice that the attainment of this hope demands." End of quote. In another version, it's put this way, Philippians 3 verse 8, not only those things, I reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more value, the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have thrown everything away. I consider it as mere garbage so that I may gain Christ. Like we just read now, Satan will present worldly attractions to us so that it can draw our attention from the Savior. The cares of this life will come legitimately. It doesn't have to be something that will cause you to sin. And you find out that opportunities are increasing to make money. But as these opportunities increase, Satan intends that it will divert your attention from the Savior. But how did Paul react to it? He didn't allow those things to divert his attention from the Savior. He pressed on toward the goal, showing to the world, to angels and to men, that something is more important to him. Yes, I have the opportunity to make more money, but I'm not going for it 
because there's something else I'm chasing after. For me to have left this great opportunity, to have made thousands of dollars, to have made millions of dollars, for me to have left that opportunity and followed after doing, for example, evangelism, or I refused to go to work on the Sabbath day because to me, keeping the Sabbath holy is far more important and you say you want to make me lose my job, carry on. So what am I showing you? I'm showing you to the world, to angels, to men that there is something more important than this money you are trying to give to me. There is something more important than the wealth of the world and the attractions that are being presented to me. I would rather choose to keep the Sabbath holy. I would rather choose to dress appropriately. I would rather choose not to tell lies. I would rather choose to do my morning devotion, I won't miss it, and my evening devotion and pray in the afternoon because to me, I'm pressing toward the goal. I will not allow my work. I will not allow my friends. I will not allow my relationships to make me to forget my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the time the world sees us making these decisions, praying very often, they realize that what is important to us is not necessarily this job we are doing. We have to make our prayers. And they see that, oh, you decide that you will not follow the world in dressing the way they dress just because you want to get a job. They will realize that to you, something else is more important. When you make the decision not to compromise just to get a husband or a wife, then the heavens know, angels of God take note of it, men take note of it that this person considers the attainment of the knowledge, excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ of greater value than husband, than wife, than job, than children. That is how to press toward the mark and show the world and angels that we consider that the hope of seeing the face of God is worth all the effort and sacrifice than the attainment of all the things of this world. As we are going through this, I'm reminded of the parable that Jesus told in the book of Matthew chapter 13, reading from verse 44 to 46. Jesus said again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man, man had found, he hid it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Amen. This man who sold all that he had, it should be me, and it should be you. Paul fit himself into the characterization of this person when he said and when he lived it out not just saying it he lived it out he showed through his decisions that he made that to him he threw everything away and he considered all of them as mere garbage so that he may gain christ what is that peril of great price it is christ it is eternal life it is perfection of christian character that is the kingdom of heaven it is the treasure hid in the field. It is our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you found him, you must, should sell all you have to get him because that is the price of Jesus. Nothing short of all that you have. John 17 verse 3 tells us that the knowledge of God is eternal life. 
and that's why we see the pearl of great prices price represents jesus and also represents eternal life but when you break it down to its practicality it is referring to a life that is in harmony with the commandments of god a perfect life a sinless life this is what we are to do but it will come at great sacrifices we have to make sacrifices and press towards gold because that's what paul said when he said i count all these things but don't in other words he says i have sacrificed everything for this particular purpose to attain to the knowledge of christ jesus like i said at the beginning of this devotion we should ensure that we do not have two purposes in life we should be single-minded that is when our our body will be full of light how many purposes do you have i have the purpose of attaining to holiness and then i have another purpose you will not achieve anyone your body will not be full of light you must have one purpose you must say this one thing i do not two things i do let your mind be fashioned to have just one purpose in life and the greatest purpose the only value this life has by the way is that it can be used to secure eternal life any other thing you use this life for you are wasting it this val this life is useless brothers and sisters it fades away and then we die just look at it how are, how old are you now who are listening to me do you have parents where are they now how about you how fast are you coming down to your grave at least by old age and if not by old age as we look at the things that happen in the world we all know we are going to die one day everything is vanity accumulate all the wealth you want put it in the banks get the biggest of houses enjoy yourself as you think you are doing with food and with traveling and with be living in the best environment there is it's all going to come to an end one day and then you tell me when it does come to an end what is the difference between you and someone who never even went where you went to who never traveled where you traveled to who never enjoyed the things you enjoyed who never dressed the way you dressed and lived how you lived at the end of the day we all come down to the same place and that is why the wise man Solomon said that it pained him in his heart when he realized that he's going to die like the fool and he's going to die like a poor man. There's no difference. He left all his wealth. He had a lot of it. He left them and died. And that's what's going to happen to every one of us. If we use our lives for frivolity, if we use our lives to press toward the mark of pleasure, to press toward the mark of attaining the... Um, say attaining all the so-called goals of this life oh i have gone here i have gone there i saw this person i snapped a picture with this particular figure and then i also had rubbed shoulders with this particular figure and i had so much wealth if that is your mark that you are pressing towards towards billions in your account i press towards the mark of millions of dollars in my account then you are wasting your life sadly this life is useless except as it is used to secure eternal life that is the only value that this life has so that is why if we must have one purpose in life it should be to secure eternal life that's why jesus asked the question what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul seeing that the soul is what is needed to enjoy the whole world that you have gained is it not foolish decision is it not a foolish decision is it not a thing called penny wise pound foolish for one to waste time accumulating all the whole world but yet all the while he knew very well that he was going to die he knew that he doesn't have enough lifetime to spend the money that he has in the account he doesn't have enough lifetime to live along with his house till the house decays in fact the house is going to outlive him 
his wealth is going to outlive him is it not foolishness brothers and sisters to waste our time in that kind of pursuit is it not wise rather to first of all secure life eternal life then having secured that you can now start making efforts to get the pleasures and get the other things of this world god is not opposed to you having pleasures god is not opposed to you eating and drinking he is not opposed to you living in a posh place god is not opposed to you living in wealth brothers and sisters he is not opposed to you to be dressed in a very nice apparel and garment he is not opposed to you having even crown on your head but he doesn't like it when we make wrong decisions he realizes that you who are trying to get that crown on your head, that bling bling, you who are trying to get that best cloth, you are clothing a body that is decaying. You are clothing a body that is about to be destroyed. You are clothing a body that has no value. Why not you take time to secure eternal life and then Jesus himself will give you far greater pleasures than you can get and you can labor for on this earth. In my father's house and many mansions, he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. There is nothing you can build on this earth that will be better than what the Lord is building for us in his kingdom. We are going to have crowns. We are going to have mansions. I don't need an aeroplane. I'm going to be able to fly and I'll wing my way to whatever planet I need to go to. SpaceX that um, Elon Musk is doing, he's wasting time. If he would only just secure eternal life, he wouldn't need that company called SpaceX because God would give him the ability to travel from planet to planet beyond his imagination and for eternity he will explore all he wants to explore and he will never finish. I love exploration. I love to sightseeing also. God is not opposed to the pleasures that come by look, opening your eyes and seeing beautiful stuff. God is not opposed to it. He's going to give us crowns. He's not opposed to that. He's going to clothe us with a robe that is a, indeed prestigious and of dignity. God is not opposed to it. He says in the word of God, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and abundance of pleasures forevermore. But what he does not like is that we waste time to secure these things when we have not gotten that which is more important, eternal life. Brothers and sisters, press toward the mark of eternal life. Make every sacrifice and any sacrifice that is required for you to make that you may have eternal life. Reading from Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 260, paragraph 1 and downward, it says, Do we talk about self-denial? What did Christ give for us? When you think it hard that Christ requires all, go up to Mount Calvary and weep there over such a thought. Behold the hands and feet of your deliverer torn by the cruel nails that you may be washed from sin by his blood. Those who feel the constraining love of God ask not how little may be given in order to obtain, to obtain the heavenly reward. They ask not for the lowest standard but aim at a perfect conformity to the will of their Redeemer. With ardent desire, they will yield all and manifest zeal proportionate to the value of the object they are in pursuit of. What is the object? Immortality, eternal life. Let me stop here and just comment. Why I'm reading this is because we may be thinking, okay, press toward the mark of eternal life. Get eternal life. What is it going to cost me? It's going to cost me a lot because for me to get eternal life in practical terms, 
I need to keep God's commandments. I need to have Christ in me. And if he's in me, the spirit of God in me will cause me to walk in his statutes and will make me keep his commandments and have no sin in my life. But then I realize that while I'm doing this, it's going to cost me some losses. Because I choose to dress the way I need to dress, some people will not employ me. Because I choose to do the right thing, some people will not want to marry me. Because I choose not to keep, not to break the Sabbath, I will lose some opportunities, interviews, jobs, I will lose them. Because I choose not to make friends with the ungodly, I may not rub shoulders with them and get the opportunities I need to get to work in certain places I need to work. Then, because of that, it looks like as if I'm incurring losses. And then I look at the pleasures of this world, I have to deny myself of those things. I won't have to enjoy so-called because they are not enjoyments. You see, that, you see, God is so good. God is so loving. Like I have said earlier, and I need to reiterate, God loves us to be in pleasure. No, there's nothing wrong in pleasure. He is the one that created that dopamine that, we, that the brain releases that makes us feel good. He's not opposed to it. What he doesn't like is when we release dopamine in a way that harms our body. That's what he doesn't like. And that is a sin. Alcohol releases dopamine. But then, it harms you. Um, cigarettes does the same thing. Overeating, eating the wrong kinds of food, flesh food, stimulating foods, the MSG and the rest. But while they are helping you to release dopamine, they are damaging you, giving you cancer, lung disease, kidney diseases. That is what God is opposed to. He's opposed to sinful pleasures. That's why they are called sinful pleasures. It is because they, after giving you pleasure, they harm you. But there is a kind of pleasure God wants. The one that is good for you. That after taking it, it doesn't harm you, but rather it even makes you healthier. It's a pleasure that gives you better health. Not just by giving you the right things in your body, but you actually feel pleasured by it. That is what God, is, God wants for us. So, he doesn't want us to be in a gloomy state and be sad. He wants you to be pleasured, but in the right way. So, while doing the right things here and conforming perfectly to his will, we may have losses. But look at Jesus. That's what we're reading. Behold his hands and feet. If you think that the sacrifice you are making is great or that denying yourself alcohol and entertainment and football and games and cartoons and going to places to enjoy, to do so-called enjoyment because they are not enjoyments. That's what I was trying to say because they are harming you. Having sexual reverie that you think is enjoyment but it's not enjoyment because it's harming you. You think that denying yourself these things is something to weep about. You call them losses. That's why I read for you. Behold, the hands and feet of your deliverer torn by cruel nails that you may be washed for your sins, from your sins by his own blood. If we truly love our Lord and love our lives, not even just love our Lord, but if we really have the intelligence and wisdom to secure life, anybody who understands that knows that you have to take, you have to pay the price. You won't feel it that you are, you won't feel like you are paying too much. You won't seek for the lowest standard because you understand that that which I'm gunning for, that which I'm going after, is expensive. It is worth it. It is worth my time. It is worth every sacrifice. It says, "Those who feel the constraining love of God ask not how little may be given in order to obtain the heavenly reward. They ask not for the lowest standard, but aim at the perfect conformity to the will of their Redeemer." With ardent desire, they will yield all and manifest zeal proportionate to the value of the object they are in pursuit of. And what is that object? Immortality, eternal life. Amen. So we must manifest zeal if we understand that what we are seeking for is eternal life. It is expensive. Therefore, if all the, sacri- if the sacrifice needed to get it is for me to give up everything, it is worth it. 
Heaven is worth it. It is worth giving up everything for. I continue the reading now. It says, Young friends, that's from Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 260, paragraph 3. Young friends, many of you are sadly deceived. You have been satisfied with something short of pure and undefiled religion. I want to arouse you. The angels of God are trying to arouse you. Oh, that the important truths in the word of God may arouse you to a sense of your danger and lead you to a thorough examination of yourself. Your heart is yet carnal. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. This carnal heart must be changed, and you see such beauty in holiness that you will pant after it as the heart panted after the water brooks. Then you will love God and love his law. Then the yoke of Christ will be easy and his burden light. Although you will have trials, yet these trials well born only make the way more precious. The immortal inheritance is for the self-denying Christian. I saw that the Christian should not set too high a value, nor depend too much upon a happy flight of feeling. These feelings are not always true. I saw that it should be the study of every Christian to serve God from principle and not be ruled by feeling. By so doing, faith will be brought into exercise and will increase. I was shown that if the Christian lives a humble, self-sacrificing life to God, peace and joy in the Lord will be the result. But the greatest happiness experience will be in doing others good, in making others happy. Such happiness will be lasting. I have been shown that many of the young have not fixed principle to serve God. They do not exercise faith. They sink under every cloud. They have no power of endurance. They do not grow in grace. They appear to keep the commandments of God. They pray now and then a formal prayer and are called Christians. Their parents are so anxious for them that they accept anything that appears favorable and do not labor with them and teach them that the carnal mind must die. They encourage the young to come along and act a part, but they fail to lead them to search their own hearts diligently to examine themselves and to count the cost of what it is to be a Christian. The young come along without sufficiently trying their motives and profess to be Christians. End of quote. This is to encourage us to know that we need to examine ourselves if we must press towards the mark. We need to ensure that our religion is not super superficial, but it is one that goes deep that transforms the life and the soul, that inside our minds our motives are pure, our actions also pure. We must rise higher than just praying formal prayers, but we must pray from the heart and mean what we say in our prayers. We must call to exercise our faith and the willpower to press towards the mark that we may attain the high, uh, our high calling, attain the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. And one thing I pick from this reading that I just went through now says that we should not depend too much upon a happy flight of feeling. Make no mistake, as you go on this journey, pressing toward the mark, there will be times when you feel sad. There will be times when you don't have that happy flight of feeling. But don't depend on that as an evidence of whether you are in Christ or not. We walk by faith and not by feeling. We walk by faith and not by sight. Feelings are not always true. Let us study to serve God from principle, not from feeling, because that is how our faith will be brought into exercise and will increase. What does that mean? It means we follow the word of God, whether we want to or not, whether we feel like or not. 
that is what it means to follow God from principle. You wake up in the morning. Don't pray because you feel like praying. Pray because you should pray and pray from your heart. Don't pray in the afternoon because you feel like praying. Let it be a principle for you. Avoid evil communication even if you feel like spending time with evil communication. Avoid it. Function by principle. This is how to press toward the mark. Don't let anything divert you from the one purpose. And one thing that can divert us is our feelings. We may feel like eating this particular food and that food is not good. But in eating that food, we are harming ourselves and we are not pressing toward the goal. What do we do then? Work, walk by faith. Deny your feeling. You may feel like you don't want to go to church. You don't want to have the study today. Don't follow your feelings. Do what you need to do, what you have been told to do. Walk by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does the word of God say? Do not neglect the assembly of the brethren. Then, even if you feel like neglecting it, don't follow your feeling. Go to the assembly of the brethren. That is how to function by principle and press toward the mark. Brothers and sisters, the prize that the Lord has set and kept for us is indeed worth it. Eternal life will be worth all your sacrifices, all the self-denial, all the zeal and the persevering effort you are going to put in it. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 353, paragraph 4, The lowliest disciple of Christ may become an inhabitant of heaven, an heir of God to an inheritance incorruptible and that faded not away. Oh, that every man, every one might make choice of the heavenly gift, become an heir of God to that inheritance whose title is secure from any destroyer, world without end. Oh, choose not the world, but choose the better inheritance. Press, urge your way toward the mark for the prize of your high calling in Christ Jesus. In conclusion, I would like to say this. When you are making your decisions in life, ask yourself, how does this decision help me press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus my Lord to attain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, which means perfection of character. So let me put it this way. Ask yourself, this person I'm going to marry now, this school I'm about to go to, this particular course I want to study, or this one I do not want to study, how does it affect my decision to become more like Jesus Christ? If you see how it does help you, then press forward. If it does not, then please, by every means, do not make that decision. Don't go that direction. That is what it means to press toward the mark. Let every goal and decision you make be in such a way that you can see and know that the Lord has explained to you and made you see clearly that this decision is going to help you to press toward the goal of perfection of Christian character. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these words and I pray that it shall be an encouragement to your children. There may be some who right now may be diverted from for one thing or the other, away from Christ, away from pressing towards the goal. I pray that you will help such an one, that we would rather understand that we are to value every decision we make based on how we can see it helping us to achieve that one goal of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us that our faith may increase and we all may at last be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.